Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. That the Word of God is God. How many of you know that? When you start to realize in your heart that God's Word is Himself, He and His Word are one. The Word of God is God. When you begin to speak the Word, you are speaking God. When you begin to live by your life by speaking the truth from your heart in love, that's speaking God's Word, then what you're speaking is the very presence of God Himself. That's why those words have created power in Him. Because as soon as you speak those words, the Holy Spirit's right there to quicken them, make them alive, make them work. Create whatever you're speaking. If you speak to that sickness and disease and say, you've got to leave in Jesus' name. There's no great formality that's got to be behind it. Just say in Jesus' name, you've got to leave. And those words, when they're spoken from the heart, in faith and love, will go forth and create whatever you said. Amen. Or undo that which the devil has wrought in the life of anybody. God and His Word are one. Amen. Let's open up our Bibles to Matthew 13. You know, something that's a sense of simple truth in the Word of God. The Gospel of John was written... Really to the world. If you'll read throughout the entire gospel, you may see the word in there, maybe word faith once or twice throughout the entire gospel of John. But you'll find the word believe over a hundred times. Believe, believe, believe. And it seems like as though we've carried that over into our circles. Because it's in the New Testament. Actually, it shouldn't, it's part of the New Testament, but it really shouldn't be. The New Testament starts on the day of Pentecost. It's part of, the, part of the Gospels are really under the Old Covenant. Because uh, Jesus lived under the Old Covenant. But the word faith is only found in that Gospel two times because He wasn't talking to believers. He was urging the people to believe in Jesus. Was He not? Remember over there in John fourteen twelve, He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on Me, the works that I do, shall he do also? He that believeth on Me. Anybody here believe on Jesus? Well, see, they, they didn't believe. He was writing to non-believers to believe on Jesus. He says, and if you believe on Jesus, these things shall follow. Or the works that Jesus did, you'll do also. And greater things shall you do. But you and I are believers. And I hear believers say, I'm trying to believe for this. And I'm trying to believe for that. You don't have to try. Forget trying to believe for your healing. Forget it. Don't say, I'm trying to believe to get healed. Or, I'm trying to believe this. Just believe that you have it. You're not a non-believer. You're a believer. And that's why in the epistles we start... You really, you don't even see him talking about urging us to have faith because a believer has faith. Say that with me. I'm a believer. And I have faith. That settles it. I'm not trying to believe anymore. I have it. You have all things that pertain to life of godliness. You have every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's yours. You don't have to try to believe that you're healed. You are healed. I'll tell you what. Just pick up that John 14, 12, John 14, 12, and just say, I do believe on you, Lord Jesus. And I do do your works, Lord Jesus. And greater works do I do than you did because you went to the Father for me. That's it. Say that with me. I am a believer. I believe on you, Lord Jesus. Therefore, I can do the same works. And I do the same works. And greater works. Because you've already gone to the Father. How simple that is. I'm not trying to do it. Just do it. Amen? Can you see that? Matthew 13, 21. We're talking, we're getting, I'll tell you what, I don't know what you think it's doing to you. But this is purging. 
this word. It'll purge us from all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit. It'll perfect holiness in us in the fear of God. Till we get to the place of holiness that it'll be hard to tell him from us. That's what he meant when he said, I and you and you and me. That we may be made perfect in one. I don't have to try to believe I'm in Jesus. I am in Jesus. God is in me. I don't have to try to believe the greater one lives in me. He is in me. Amen? The greater one, he already is in me. I just believe it. Amen? I already believe that because I'm a believer. I know that. Amen? This year, Matthew 13, 21, we took the first part of it. Yet hath he no root in himself. We said the root of the good heart to bring forth the fruit would be the heart that was filled with the love of God and a heart that was rooted and grounded in the love of God, right? Okay, we're going to get back to this and we're going to open up a little bit more before we close out the, the session on this. The heart is established and rooted in the fact that the Heavenly Father's love for you supersedes anything that we know on this earth. Because the love of God the Father is the reason for redemption. That's how much He loved you. Now, we've got our hearts established. If you've not been with us before in the previous sessions, check out the Amplified Bible in Ephesians, the third chapter, verses 14 through 20. Read it over carefully. Read over in 1 Corinthians 13. In the Amplified Bible, verses 4 through 8, about the love of God. Just take my word for it. Take God's word for it. That He loves you so much. He loves you a hundred times or a thousand times or a million times more than you love your own kids. And He'll do even a thousand or a million times more than, for you than you will for your own kids. Now, that's just about putting it in a nutshell. Because I'll do anything for my kids. Won't you? Alright. So, that's how much God the Father loves you. Just believe it because the Word says it. Now, the next part of this scripture says... But dure it for a while. And the reason why he dures only for a while, he endures only for a while, is because he does not know how much God the Father really loves him. But look at this. He says after he endures for a while, what happens? When tribulation or persecution comes, for what reason? For the Word's sake. Now remember this. The reason why the persecution and the affliction or the tribulation is coming is because of the word that you heard. Because of God's word that you received. Notice he said they received it with joy in the previous verse. They received that word with joy. And many of you here received the word with joy. But as soon as you receive the word, you've got to know this, that the devil is coming. Jesus said immediately coming, the devil, right? Satan's coming immediately with what? With persecution. Many people endure only for a while. But it takes a longer time than a while for that seed to become a, to bear fruit, to become a plant and to bear fruit. Now the person that only endures for the while has the word or the seed stolen from him. And how does it happen? He becomes offended. Let me give you an example. He becomes offended because of the word, because of the affliction, the trial or the tribulation or the temptation comes. He becomes offended. Why did, the, why did it come? Because of the Word. That's why the tribulation or the, or the affliction came. It's because of the Word. So how do I get offended then? Well, let me give you an example. Let's say that my son came to me and said, Father, I, I have need of food. You know, my wife and the kids, they're hungry. We have need of food. So he comes to me and he asks me for either food or the money to buy the food. And I say to him, well, son, I don't have the money and I don't have any food. I can't help you. It's, it's just impossible for me to help you. Well, he could walk away from me and he won't be offended at me. He said, well, he, you know, I, I, know you could, I know you would if you could, but you can't. So since you can, I just have to, you know, deal with the situation myself. He's not offended at me, though. Okay, most people believe that God could. And this is what you hear all the time. Oh, I believe God could do anything. Well, how about this next part now? The same thing happens. He comes to me and he says, Father, I have need of food or money to buy food because my family is hungry. And, and, and I have a vast storehouse of food, of healing, everything. you name it. I've got everything that you, that you could possibly want I have. And, and, and he walks up to me and he doesn't get an answer. 
He assumes the answer is no, that, that I'm not going to do it for him. Or I just come out and say no. Now, it's not that I couldn't do it for him, but it's now that I wouldn't do it for him. I wouldn't do it. He goes back to his own environment and his child dies of starvation, malnutrition. You think he's offended at me? You think he's bitter towards me? Sure he is. He gets bitter. He gets offended. He gets offended at me. He gets offended at what I said, the word. Let's put it back into the parable. Jesus was the sower who sowed the word. The attack was not on Jesus, but the attack was on the word that was sown. God said in His Word, ask and you shall receive. He says, ask anything and I'll do it. He's got the ability. He's got the storehouses. He's got the riches. He's got all the blessings to bless you with. He has blessed you with them. But yet you said, I came to Him. I asked Him. And I got a no for an answer. I came and asked Him to heal me of cancer. And He's got healing for cancer. And yet He not couldn't do it, but wouldn't do it. That's the picture that the church has painted of God the Heavenly Father. That He wouldn't do it. Not that He couldn't. So there's two sides of this. What happens is, some people actually get offended and they get bitter and they do not serve God any further. They turn their back. Say, He wouldn't heal my child, so I'll go serve the devil. But yet you've got the other ones that don't want to go to hell. They don't want to leave the things of God. And you know what they say? Ah, uh, this must have been God's will. I just accept it. I'm going to endure to the end. And that's not the kind of endurance that he's talking about. And they accept the fact that God would not, not couldn't, but would not feed that child. Would not heal his daughter. Would not heal his son when he had the healing, when he had the money, when he had the food in abundance. Now, if that's the picture you've got of your heavenly father, I want to just paint you a new picture. And I want you to begin to see him as a father. And I want you to begin to see that if you ask your heavenly father for anything, Jesus said, ask anything in my name and I will do it. Amen? And if you ask and didn't get something, you want to get offended? Get offended at the devil. Get into God's holy word and you fill your spirit, man, with that word. And you just keep on saying, my father wouldn't do that to me. My heavenly father wouldn't stop me from getting my healing. It's that old maniac, the devil. He's trying to stop me from getting all the things that God has for me. And I'm not going to let him do it any further. I'm going to put my heel on his head and squash it. Now there's where your trouble is. But you see, the attack was on the Word, so you would become offended at God and at His Word. And there's a lot of people that say, I've, I've built up bitterness towards God. Why? Because I know He can do it. Why won't He? It's not that He won't. You've got a foe out there. You've got an enemy out there. And we're going to find out how to deal with this guy. Affliction and persecution is coming for the Word's sake. Now go with me to 2 Timothy. And let's take a look at the third chapter, verses 10 through 12. Well, let's make our confession of faith. Persecution and affliction are coming for the Word's sake. I must endure persecution and affliction to overcome. Okay, now you've got to endure it. It says he endures for a while. Well, you, how long do you endure? Love endures to the end. You may have only endured halfway through the trial or the persecution or the affliction. But the Bible says we have got to endure to the end. And at the end 
of enduring the trials or the tribulations or the persecution is a crown of life. James says, he that endureth the temptation has for him a crown. Your crown, your healing for that cancer was right there. And you were right here. And if you would have endured to the end, it would have meant instantaneous healing to your body. It would have meant an end to cancer in your body. It's not that the people do not have faith. Listen when I say this. You have faith because you have the Word and you've heard the Word and are hearing the Word. They have not failed in the area of faith, but in the area of patience and joy. Now listen. Let's look at what Paul said here in 2 Timothy. Paul fought the good fight and he, he ran the race and he finished the course with a crown of glory. Look at this. Verse 10. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, Patience. Look at the fruit he's, he's speaking of. Persecutions and afflictions what came unto me at Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra. What persecutions I did what? Past tense. He endured all the way through. He endured them. Okay, look, look at the rest. But out of them all the Lord delivered me. He'll deliver you when you endure to the end. Can you see that? This walk is not a... You don't, you don't try to walk the walk of faith. You don't try to believe God. You have got to do... You don't try to buy a car. You buy it. So it says, well, I tried that. I tried that faith to get healed, but it didn't work. You don't try it. It doesn't work by trying. Can you see that? It works by doing. You have got to exchange faith for the results... And if you exchange faith for the results, you've got the results. When you exchange your money for the car, don't you have a car? Can you see somebody going down to the car dealer and taking uh, all their money and sending it down over there and paying them all that money, coming home saying, Glory to God, I bought me a new car. And someone said, Well, where is it? I said, well, I went down there and paid for it. Well, where is it? Wouldn't you be a little bit foolish? Well, why, why are we so foolish then in the spiritual world? Amen? Why can't we see that if I exchange faith for whatever I'm asking God for, if I have released my faith, then that faith will produce the results. Amen. If you've released your money, you've got the car. If you've released your faith, you've got the healing, the deliverance. You know, <clears throat> let's put it this way. There was not one devil in hell. There was not one demon that Satan has working in his stronghold, in his house, household, that could, not, that could stop you after you made the decision of receiving Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. There was not one demon in hell that was able to stop you from receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Not one. Oh, he couldn't do anything about it. Once you released your faith in Him, salvation was there. There was no way He could do anything about it because you released your faith and faith brought you salvation. When you release your faith for healing in your body, when you release your faith for whatever your need is, when you release your faith, there's not one demon in hell that could stop that faith from producing the results. You need to know that. So he comes and attacks the Word through your five physical senses to get you to repudiate the Word of God. And if you do, then you have nullified the effects of your prayer. You have destroyed your own faith. You've uprooted it. Can you see that? As long as you're holding on to what you spoke, it has to come to pass. Now look at the next verse. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So don't go off and say, well, he made a negative statement. I didn't. Persecution is coming to you and so is affliction. I don't care what your name is or who you are. It's coming to you for the Word's sake to get that Word out of your heart because if it stays there, look out. You have got your victory. And that's why it's coming. 
And so you've got to know that it's coming, and you've got to know that what, what you have to do when it comes. And if you know what to do, the devil's got to go on the run. Let's go to James, the first chapter. Well, find that. Put your, put your marker there. Put your bookmarker there. Go to Romans, the fifth chapter. These are some things we need to know and understand. If we are going to carry out the Word of God unto the end, if we are going to endure to the end with patience and bring forth the fruit that you desire, no matter what, what the case might be. Romans, the fifth chapter. Let's start with verse 1. Therefore being justified, therefore. Why is it there? What's it there for? Verse 25 says, Who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Jesus died. He was delivered for our offenses and He was raised again for our justification. Therefore, because of this, we are just being justified by faith. By what? Where does faith come from? How does faith come? Hearing what? Why does tribulation come? So who, who was responsible then for getting you faith? God was. Okay. God spoke the word. The word by that word produced faith. The tribulation comes because of the word. Look at, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by what? Into this grace. Underline these words. By faith. Into this grace, underline grace, wherein we stand, we're standing in grace, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only do we rejoice in that, but look at the next verse. And not only so, but we glory or we rejoice in what? We do what with them? We glory in them? Why? Look at the next word underline it. Knowing what? Knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Why is the tribulation coming? Because of the word that was spoken. Who spoke the word? God spoke the word, which was responsible for getting to us faith. If God spoke the word, the word that was spoken produced faith, but the attack is coming on the word that's in your heart. Who is the one that's bringing the attack? Sounds like to me that God's not trying your faith like some people think. Well, God's just testing and tempting and trying my faith just to make it, you know, become pure and fine, just like pure gold. God's not doing that to you, but God is showing you how this thing works so that you could turn it around for your good. You have got to know that the trying of your faith, tribulation, worketh patience. Tribulation, affliction, or persecution, temptations, tests, and trials work. Patience is a spiritual fruit. It's a spiritual force of the recreated human spirit. Love, joy, faith, or love, joy, peace, patience. Patience is a supernatural fruit of the spirit. It is a spiritual force that works inside the human spirit and it works on the human mind. And we're going to see that a little bit later. Patience is the force that works on the human mind. Faith is the force that is produced from the heart, but patience comes from the spirit and controls the mind. And we're going to see that. He said here that the tribulation works patience or puts patience to work for you and patience experience and experience hope. And then we can carry it right on in there to the love of God. But let's just stop there where it says, Tribulation worketh patience. And go to James, the first chapter. God was responsible to getting to us the Word of God. The Word was planted. The Word was sown. The Word produced faith. It seems like God is working a work inside our human spirit to produce the fruit of the Spirit, to produce faith, to produce joy, Love, peace, patience, all the fruit of the Spirit. And he said, Satan is coming along to give you tribulation and affliction and persecution 
to destroy that Word that's inside you, if, it is, if that's coming to destroy the Word, then how in the world can the trying of your faith come from God? How can it? Well, let's get a little bit more clear. Now, notice over here in James, the first chapter. Let's take a look at... Uh, let's start with verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy. Underline the word joy. When you fall into diverse temptations, knowing that the trying of your faith, underline that, trying of your faith, worketh what? All right, Paul said that tribulation worketh patience. Now, James says the trying of your faith worketh patience. It sounds like to me that tribulations are trying of your faith. They're the same, aren't they? The tribulation... Now, notice in the parable, Jesus said, tribulation and persecution are coming for the word that I've spoken so that you could become offended. You think God is trying to get you offended at Him? Is he? Well, that's ridiculous. A house divided against itself can't stand. God's not doing that. God's not trying your faith by putting cancer on you to find out just how long you'll last with it. He knows you'll die with it. No, God's not doing any of that stuff. The tribulation, the affliction, and the persecution are coming against you. But when they come, they work patience or put patience to work for what purpose? Okay? Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Now, let's check out another scripture here. You don't have to turn to it. The faith is coming from God, for by grace are you saved through faith. Faith comes by hearing the word. So the word that was sown came from Jesus. He sowed the Word. The Word produced faith when it came to the heart. Faith is really the product of spiritually hearing. Remember the parable said, seeing and hearing the Word of God with your spiritual eyes, with your spiritual ears, and understanding it in your heart produces faith. Okay. Faith is already there in your heart. It's the tribulation and the trying of your faith is coming to pull, that heart, pull the Word away from your heart. You've got the faith if you've got the Word. But now, you've got the Word, but do not have your patience developed. And if you don't have your patience developed, you'll only endure for a time, and then the devil will come and steal that Word. Because you'll become offended at God, you'll become bitter towards God, you'll become bitter towards the Word of God, and you might become bitter towards the person that's speaking forth the Word of God and said you could have it in the first place. Why do you think that all these men of God that are preaching the faith of God's Word are being ridiculed, they're being mocked, they're being called uh, cult leaders, they're being called everything you could possibly think of? Why do you think? Because people are trying to walk and live the way they are speaking the Word of God, but they are not allowing the fruit of the Spirit work in their lives. They are not perfecting patience and love and joy and faith and all the fruit of the Spirit. And before you know it, they go out and try it and fail, and it doesn't work for them, and they get offended. And I'll never sit on that guy's ministry again. He said that this thing works, and it didn't work. And bless God, I'm just not going to hear it no more. And they settle for less. They settle for all this false doctrine like, well, it must have been God's will for old sister so-and-so to die. Why? Because if it wasn't, he, she wouldn't have died. That's ridiculous. Hebrews, the 12th chapter, says that Jesus is the author and the finisher or the developer of your faith. Well, where does your faith come from? From His Word. Where does the trial and tribulation come from? The devil to get at your word, at the Word that's in your heart. Can you see that these things can't be working together? There's no parallel there. I don't care what scripture you pull out of that Bible to try to tell me that God is trying your faith. It's wrong. Now go to the 12th verse. And let's see what it says here. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. What's the Lord? Who's given the crown? Who's trying the faith? Well, let's go on and read and find out. Let no man say when he is tempted, tested, or tried, I am tempted, tested, or tried of who? Now, you could find any scripture you want to find in the Bible. If you don't believe James 1.13, there's no hope for you. 
read this Word of God, there's no hope for you because that Word is going to first produce hope in your heart. You hear this kind of preaching, the first thing you're going to say, glory to God, I can be healed. This cancer don't got to live in my body. This sickness don't have to... I don't have to be in subjection to the sickness and disease inside my body. And hope will rise up in your heart and then faith can give substance to your hope. But the, t- the thing is, people just sit there, hear one sermon, they hear two sermons, and then before you know it, they say, well, you know, I had hope. And it doesn't work that way. Endure it to the end. The end result is the fruit. Isn't that right? It's the end result. You let that word keep going in your ears and keep hearing it, keep listening to it, keep on speaking it, keep on saying it, keep on getting your spirit man filled up with the wisdom and the light of God. And then soon enough, you're going to see that it's going to grow and grow and grow on the inside. And you're going to have your healing or your deliverance or whatever you have need of in your life. Just stop saying, whether you understand it or not, that God is not trying my faith. No way, no shape. Why? Because God can't tempt any man with evil because he can't be tempted with evil. And when I walk in love, I walk in God, God in me. I'm in the very presence of God himself and God cannot be tempted with evil. And God doesn't tempt with evil. And all that garbage is coming from the devil and it's time to face up to it. Amen? It's time to face up to it. That's where all your problems are coming. But people are not learning how to take care of them by letting him take care of them. Now let's go... Well, let's, let's, you don't have to turn all these scriptures... Notice that he said, tribulation worketh patience. I'll give you another scripture. Jesus said in John 16, 33, well, he said, in the world you shall have, what did he say? These things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. How many of you know that scripture? You better turn to it. I don't want to preach to you some foreign scripture. Glory to God. I thought everybody knew that scripture. John 16, 33. Okay. I'll slow down. Amen. John 16, 33. See, sometimes we just look over scriptures and we go, yeah, Jesus said that. Isn't that nice? Sure it is. Hallelujah. Sure, that's nice. Jesus said that. And we're a talker about the Word. We hear the Word of God. Yeah, not nice. Jesus said that. Sure it was. And we're just hearers of the Word. We're talkers of the Word. But nobody's doers of the Word. Jesus said, these things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have what? Well, what thing? Oh, just these things. What things did he speak? Well, I'll tell you what. If you'll check out the red that's in your Bible and look at the 14th, the 15th, and the 16th chapter, you'll see he said a lot of things. And if you start from 14, he said, Don't let your heart be troubled. Do you believe in God? Believe in me. I'm going to a place where I've got a mansion prepared for you. Amen. And the way I'm going, you know. And the way you know. For I'm that way, the truth, and the life. And no man's going to get there but by me. And he says, But I, when I go... It's expedient that I go because I'm going to send the comforter to you. He's going to prove the world of sin, righteousness, amen. Listen. Judgment. He went on to say, and then the Spirit, the comforter, the Spirit of truth, is going to teach you all things. You're going to learn of me. You're going to learn all things about me. You're going to keep my sayings because you love me, etc., etc. Verse 15, bear much, or chapter 15, he says, bear much fruit. You walk in my love. I've given you all my love. And it goes to the 16th chapter. He talks all these great wonderful things. In, in there he talks about doing the works that I did. Greater work shall you do. And he goes to the end of the chapter. And in, in the previous verses, he says, Ask anything. Ask the Father anything in my name and he'll give it to you. Hitherto you've asked nothing in my name. Asking you shall receive that your joy, that your joy, that your joy may be full. He goes on to say in verse 27. Read verse 27. You getting ready to leave? He said, For the Father himself loveth you. All this that I've spoken and said, all these things that are in all these chapters, he says, the Father, you don't have to ask without knowing that God won't hear you. He says, because the, don't have to ask me to ask the Father for you, he said. All you've got to do is ask the Father for yourself because the Father loves you now. Because you're in me. And he said, these things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have what? 
Where is the tribulation coming from? Where is the trials coming from? And don't go off and pout and say this, Well, I didn't read my Bible today and that's why this is coming on me. You know, God's doing this to me just because I didn't read enough of the Word today. I'm just going to have to suffer with it. No, don't talk like that. You know what you do? You get on your knees. Say, Father, I realize it. I've missed it. I've opened up a little doorway for the devil to get in and slap something on me. I repent of it in Jesus' name. Now, Satan, you get your symptoms and get the growing. Or you get this and get out of here. But he, keeps, he tries to keep people in condemnation. They think, well, the only reason why this happened was because I was disobedient and I didn't do this and I didn't do that. And then you accept the thing that, God, that the devil puts upon you. You accept all the things that come your way. And you think that God is just, you know, just chastening you, just disciplining you through sickness or through disease or this or that. That's the biggest lie I ever heard. God, you mark this down that I said it too. God does not chasten you with sickness or disease. He doesn't. Amen, He doesn't. Get on your knees and repent and just believe God. Now, he said, I spoke to you these things to show you that as long as you're in me, you'll have peace. Yeah, I'll tell you what, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. But look at the next few words. But be of good cheer. Oh, I'd love to just turn loose right now and start talking about cheer. Well, be of what? Good cheer. When? He said, in this world, tribulation's coming, but be of good cheer. You know the word joy and rejoice is really translated, be of delight and cheer? It means to cheer. We got any girls here that used to cheer at the ball games? Do you know why most people do not get delivered from their tribulations and their trials and their testings of life? Because James said, count it all joy, rejoicing, cheer, begin to shout, begin to glorify God. Glory in your tribulation because tribulation worketh patience. And before they be begin to release their faith, they start to draw. Now, oh, let's get into it right now. Hallelujah. The Bible's, or let's put it this way. Joy is a spiritual force. Jesus said to rejoice in Matthew 5, 12, or to joy. Turn there with me. Let's, let's, let's read these things together. Let's get into it. I'm ready. If you're ready, I'm ready. Hallelujah to Jesus. We want to see something here. Matthew 5, 11, 12. But you, mark this down now. Joy and patience. Now, we know faith and patience. Faith and patience work together. They're the power twins that will go forth and bring in the results, bring the fruit or bring the, the seed to perfection. It'll bring whatever you're believing God for into manifestation. But there is an, another spiritual force that we have, I believe has been neglected to be taught to the church, and that is the force of joy. And the joy is a spiritual force. It is not a feeling. You don't feel joyful in your outward man. That's happiness. Joy is of the human spirit. Love. Joy. Recreated human spirit has joy on the inside. It's a joy unspeakable. And full of what? Okay, now listen. That's a spiritual force. When you appropriate and allow the joy that's inside your heart by appropriating the Word of God through faith, exercising joy by faith, as James said, count it all joy, you are drawing from the glory of God. Listen. You are drawing from the glory of God. When you allow sorrow to come in, when the tribulation or the trial or the persecution comes your way, when you get sorrowful about it, that's drawing from the resources or from the power of darkness. When your first reaction towards a trial or a tribulation is in the negative and, oh, no. Oh, dear Lord. Now what am I going to... And you start to draw your strength from Satan. That's a spiritual force. And it's working in the world today if people will yield to it. But joy is of the 
Lord, and the glory, it's a joy unspeakable, it's full of glory, the glory of God is right there at your disposal if you will allow the joy, the right joy to rise up in your heart and draw from that glory. How do you do it? By faith. Now he said over here, and I'm going to show you that Jesus said it, Paul said it, James said it. Let's read it here in the fifth chapter. Blessed are you, verse 11, when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice, that word I said means to be cheerful, delight, joy, rejoice, and be what? The word exceeding means greatly or supremely. Now, wait a minute, Lord. You just said persecution is coming right now. And my first reaction is to rejoice, to cheer, and be supremely glad. How many of you know that faith is an act? Got any actors here? You ready? Go to Luke, sixth chapter. Verse 22. Here it is. Blessed are you when men shall hate you, when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you, and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy. We got any leapers in here? Any leapers in here? You think that's funny? I'll tell you what. When, when David brought the Ark of the Covenant, when he, when he was bringing it back, it's, the Bible says he sang and danced before the Lord, and he began to leap before the Lord. With a joyful heart, with gladness in his heart, he began to leap in the presence of God, and people despised him for it. Well, the woman that despised him for it didn't have any kids for the rest of her life. Isn't that right? He began to leap. Now, the first reaction that most people have when tribulation or trial or something comes your way is, Oh, why me? And they miss the whole picture. And they do not put forth faith and patience. You know why? Because they're not drawing from the strength. The joy of the Lord is your what? It's not that you don't have faith, and it's not that you don't have patience, but you're drawing from the strength of darkness. You begin to faint in your minds. Remember, Galatians says in the sixth chapter, you'll reap if you faint not. Right? Well, let's go there. Let's, let's go to First Hebrews 12, and we'll, we'll tie this together. We'll show you how it works. And then we'll give you some examples. Hebrews, the twelfth chapter. Now, notice that James says, count it all joy. Because you know that the trying of your faith work and patience. But you've got to count it all joy when it happens. You've got a purpose in your heart that you're going to start to act this way in every circumstance of life. If it means you go in your bedroom and you begin to just jump up and down and leap for joy, then you go in your bedroom and you jump. Before you say a word, I mean, something just came over the phone. It's something that's ugly. And you're just hearing all this, this, these lies of the devil, all this evil report. And, you know, you just want to just break down and cry. You just hold yourself together, hang up the phone, lock the doors, take the phone off the hook, go inside your back bedroom, and you just begin to leap up and down. And if someone says, if the devil says, what are you doing now? Say, I am leaping for joy. And the joy of the Lord is my strength. And the Bible says, if I serve the Lord my God with joyfulness and gladness of heart, I'll have the abundance of all things. That's what it says. Sometimes we should just take Jesus at what he said. Just go have yourself a leaping spell. You know what you'll draw from? You'll draw from the glory of God. Some will think you're for sure flipped. 
But blessed be God, you'll start to, to draw from the joy of the Lord. It'll become your strength. You'll look that thing right in the face and say, I don't care how many evil words were spoken in Jesus' name. Everyone's condemned. And patience will go to work and it'll gird up your mind. Let's go here to Hebrews 12. I'll show you something here. Hebrews 12. We're going to see some things Peter said about it too. These guys were consistent. And really, patience is nothing more but the power of consistency. It means to be constantly constant, to be unchangeable, to be the same way all the time. Can you imagine every time someone comes up and complains to you and gives you an evil report and you start jumping up and down? <laughs> At least you're consistent. Amen. Late for joy. Especially if it's coming your way. Leap for joy. Because, they, you see, they start off wrong when affliction and persecution come. You know, someone, if you pray the prayer of faith up here and you walk out the back door, as soon as you get out there and the devil comes and throws ten things your way that's contrary to what you just prayed about, that moment it's time to start to leap right there. You know why? Because the word that was spoken produced faith. Faith came by hearing. You heard the word. When that affliction came, it meant, it meant that the word is in your heart and faith was released and God heard your voice and the prayer and answer is out there and it's coming. Now I'm talking in the natural. You've already received it in the spiritual. But your answer to prayer was, your answer was, your prayer was already heard and the answer is forthcoming and the devil knows it and so he's got to come to destroy that word because if you endure to the end, it's, in manifestation in your life. So the, as soon as you see that thing go negative to what you prayed about, as soon as you feel worse pain in your side after you prayed, go, glory, hallelujah. Oh, praise the wonderful name. Glory, glory, glory. What are you so happy? What are you so joyous about? Because glory, glory, glory. The joy of the Lord is my strength and I'm drawn from the glory of God and my faith is working and my patience is working and I've got the answer. Can you see that? But no, they said, oh. And they drew from the sources of hell. And they got into being sorrowful for themselves. Really, it's nothing more than self-pity. Selfishness. Let's go to Hebrews 12 before I... Don't get it all in here. We want to get it all in here. And wherefore, seeing also we are compassed about with so great cloud of witnesses, notice the Wherefore. Why did he start out with wherefore? Because of chapter 11 talks about the great men of faith. The entire chapter says about all the faith of all these wonderful men of God. Wherefore, seeing you are compassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience, being consistent, the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. We said he's the author and the finisher of our faith, which came by the word, Okay, who for the joy that was set before him. Okay, that word set there means to lie before the view, to be present to the mind, to be first. To lie before the view, to be present before the mind. It was the joy that was set before him. Listen when I say this. Jesus endured the cross because the joy was already gone out. It was set before him. He already had a vision of it. It was set before his mind. He saw himself in glory. He saw himself at the right hand of the throne of God. He saw himself ruling and reigning at his Father's right hand. He saw himself as a King of kings and as the Lord of lords. He saw himself as the ruler of the universe, the savior of all mankind, the Redeemer. That glory was already set before him. Who said it there? He did. The Bible says if you walk in His love, then the joy, His joy will be full in you. And if you keep His commandments, that joy will be full in you. And if you have answers to all your prayers, that joy will be full in you. Well, God the Father answered every prayer that Jesus ever prayed. His joy was full. He kept His Father's commandments to the T. His joy was full. And He was so full of that glory that He already had it before His mind. It was already sent before Him. And to endure the cross was nothing. In other, in other words, here's what I'm saying. If you will maintain an attitude that you are so joyful, I don't mean happy. I don't care what you may feel ugly, but still be saying, glory, hallelujah. 
Glory, hallelujah to Jesus. Praise the magnificent name of the Lord. If you will set that joy before you, then you will be drawing from the strength of the glory of God. And when you draw from the strength of the glory of God, your faith will work, your patience will work. And I'll tell you what, the devil hasn't a chance. Every persecution, every affliction that comes your way must be dispelled. If you endure to the end, that's what Paul did. Let's see it. The joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such con contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied, lest you be wearied and faint in your what? Unless you be wearied, if you don't run this race with patience, you will faint in your mind. Galatians 6 says, if you faint not, you will reap. Go back to Luke 21. I want you to underline it or I won't have you turn to it. It says, in your patience possess ye your souls. You want to possess your soul? That's your mind. That's your reasoning faculties. No, friends, it's not that you don't have faith. It's not that you, don't, you haven't heard the Word of God to produce all that faith. You have got enough faith inside your spirit man right now to blow away mountains. We have heard so much of God's Word. We just know the Word of God in our spirits. We, we know how faith works. But it's been the area of the mind that people have been fainting. And because of it, they're not reaping the benefits of their faith. Look at that verse of Scripture. It is in your patience possess ye your souls. And when people have not learned to develop the patience... The consistency of being the same way, unchangeable, immovable about what you believe. You believe that by His stripes you were healed. Why did you move when you had a feeling in your body? Because you weren't consistent. In one breath you said, I am healed. In the next breath, just because of a pain, you said, no, I'm not. Now you've just proven to the devil that you're a double-minded man. Double-minded. That word, listen to me, will say you're healed today. It'll say you've been healed tomorrow. It'll say you're healed in one year from now. It'll say you're healed in six, uh, six years from now. It'll say you're healed till Jesus comes. And it'll never change. Just because you changed, you said you weren't. You changed. There was no consistency in your life. The believer does not have to try to believe that he's healed. All the believer has got to do is just say that the Word says I am, so I am. And that's all there is to it. If the Word says I am, I am. That's consistent. Did God say that He laid my sickness and disease on Jesus? Well, then He did. That's the power of consistency. I'm going to say the same way. And I'm going to see myself healed. I'm going to set that, that joy before me so the glory I could draw from the glory of God. That becomes my strength. Well, that becomes my strength. My faith and my patience are working hand in hand together to, to work together to bring in a manifestation. Anything I need from God. It's not that you didn't, they don't have faith. It's that they never develop the joy and the patience so that when the persecution and the affliction come, they can have power over that to endure to the end. And Luke 8.15 says, They bring no fruit to perfection because of what? No patience. And patience is the force that controls the mind. Patience is the force, that spiritual force, that controls your mind. It works on the mind. For it's in your patience, possession of your souls. You know what that's saying? It says you're born again, but you don't possess your own soul. Your own reasoning faculties. It's saying is that you've been taken captive by Satan at his will. And he is dominating your mind. The carnal mind. Either he is or your body is. Your five physical senses are or Satan is. And they both work hand in hand. So you've been dictated to by your senses and you've been dictated to by the devil and you don't possess your own soul. Can you see how that works? 
Now, he says it counted all joy. He said to start by counting it all joy when the persecution or when the affliction comes. Because when you do, you're starting off your prayer life by drawing from the resources of the glory of God. And when you do that, you have started off on the right foot. Now, that scripture in Deuteronomy 28. Listen. It says, because you serve not the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart, in the abundance of all things, you are going to serve your enemies in the want of all things. But James said, count it joy when you fall into these diverse temptations, knowing the time your faith work in patience. Let patience have a perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. But he said, you'll be in the want of all things. Did you know that sorrow, being sorrowful and self Centered and drawing from the resources of sorrow and, and darkness, you are actually serving your enemy. When you are murmuring and complaining and saying, Why me? Why this? Why that? Why isn't all the why aren't all these things working out in my life? You are drawing and from the resources of hell and you are serving your enemy through your minds in that capacity. But when you all right, some of you are looking at me like, how am I going to maintain joy? Proverbs 15.23, and we're going to get into this tonight. Proverbs 15.23 says, A man shall have joy by the answer of his mouth. A man shall have joy by the answer of his mouth. You'll have joy by, the, by what you say. When someone asks you how you felt today, what did you say? Well, I'm okay, I guess. Not too bad. That's exactly how much joy you'll have. Not too bad. How are you today? Well, yeah, a little under the weather. A man shall have joy by the answer of his mouth. How are you today? I don't care. I don't care if you feel like a truck ran over you. A man shall have joy by the answer of his mouth. I'm not going to draw from the resources of hell. I'm going to draw from the resources of heaven. I'm going to say, glory be to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm just filled with the joy of the Lord. Glory, glory, glory. Amen. I mean, you've got to start to get fanatic a little bit. I like fanaticism without wildfire. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm fine, how are you? Amen. I'm more than a conqueror. I mean, let's face it. Let's face it. Joy is a spiritual force. Love, joy. Jesus said the joy was sent before him. It drew from the glory of God. He saw it. Amen? I'll have to get into this tonight. Glory to God. But can you see how that if you don't begin to, by faith, appropriate... The supernatural resources of the glory of God, the spiritual forces that are inside the recreated human spirit, then what you're going to start to do is you're going to just activate the power of Satan in your life, and you're always going to be down in the dumps, always defeated. Now listen when I say this. You're not trying to get the glory of God. Jesus said in John 17, I have given them my glory. You don't try to lay hands on the sick so they recover. You lay your hands on the sick. Leave the rest up to God. You don't try to live by faith. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. You live by faith. You don't try to do the things that the Bible says you are. You are. You don't try to ask God. You know, listen when I say this, please. Stop saying, Lord, bless sister so-and-so. God bless them. I don't mean that to be funny. The Bible says, and that's why people are held in bondage. The Bible says God has blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And you're in Christ Jesus. You have been blessed with everything there is to be blessed with. So what should you be saying? I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm not trying to get blessed. Lord, I'm not trying to get blessed anymore. I am blessed. I was blessed. I always will be blessed. I'm the head, not the tail, my brother, not my knee, and so on and so forth. I am, I am, I am. You've got to start to say what God says you are, you are, and forget about anything else. Stop trying to walk like He walked. Just do it. I walk like Jesus walked. I walk in love. I walk in joy. These are the super... Stop trying to be healed. 
Some of you out there right now trying to just, oh, if I could just do that. I know. If I could just find out how to do that, I know I'll be. I'm just, if I could just get a little bit more faith, I know I'll be healed. You don't need any more faith. Just right now, from the inside of your heart, start doing this. Joy, joy, joy. Glory, glory, glory. I am the healed of the Lord. I'm not trying to get it. I am. I am. I am. And do it with joy. Let, that, let those words produce joy, unspeakable and full of glory inside your spirit, man. And then your feelings will change. And you just begin to shout it. You just begin to sing it. You let a song of joy rise up big with inside your heart in all your feelings. And you'll be drawing from the resources of God's strength. And His strength will put you over in every area of your life. And we're going to see... How that joy, listen, that joy got three Hebrew children through the fiery furnace. And we're going to show you tonight that the fiery trials and the temptations of life are not coming from God. Because, you know, in Isaiah 43, 2, he says, when the fire comes, you won't be burned. And those three Hebrew boys about the only three that believe that. Because when they said, fall down and worship that image, well, it looked like doom and gloom was coming to their lives. They said, we were not even careful to answer you, king. They are probably just rejoicing. We're going to see how Paul and Silas were rejoicing. We're going to see after how persecution, Peter and John went away rejoicing. Lifted up their hearts to God with, in voices and in praise and adoration. And all the things that they said, and the glory came down because they drew from the resources of God's glory. And we can maintain that joy every day in our lives. Amen. Now, you've got to know this. Write down these two things. Joy must be maintained. Joy must be maintained. Activated at all times. Joy must be maintained and activated at all times. To keep us in a position of drawing from the strength of God, which is His glory. Now you're ready for faith and patience. See, joy... And patience overcome affliction and persecution. But you've got to have faith in there because it's all activated by faith. We've talked about faith. We've talked about patience. But we have not seen the importance of joy. And joy is not a feeling. It's a spiritual force. You activate it by the same way you start to talk in tongues. If I want to start in tongues, start in talk in tongues right now, I can do it. Couldn't you? Okay, I don't care how you feel, you can start talking in tongues if you're filled with the Holy Spirit right now. Right now. Now, I don't care how ugly your body feels right now, you could start right now activating joy. I've overcome them. I'm not trying to overcome them because greater is He that's in me, He's in the world. I am more than a conqueror than Him that loved me. I serve the Lord my God with joyfulness and gladness of heart, and I have the abundance of all things. Oh, I've got a joy unspeakable full of glory. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You just start to sing a song of joy and praise and adoration to His glorious name. Before you know it, that joy sets before you a picture of your victory. And that tribulation and circumstance and affliction looks like it's about this big in your sight. Because your strength is being drawn from the glory of God. Can you see that? Well, we'll continue this tonight. We'll get more into it. We'll see how these two forces work hand in hand together. Like I said, we're not, we're not keeping faith out of this. Faith is in there, but we've not understood the power there is in joy. And when I show you tonight some of these scriptures through God's Word about joy, it'll open up your eyes. You know, John the Baptist leaped for joy inside his mother's womb. If he could, if he could leap for joy in there, I could leap for joy out here. Right? Amen? That's why after some people get prayed for, they walk back, oh, 
If you could do anything, if there's something that you couldn't do when you got prayed for, start to jump and leap for joy. Don't care what people think, how fanatical you are. I'd rather be fanatically healed than, than sorrowfully sick, wouldn't you? Walk off and start to shout and glorify God and declare that you have received. And then start to do something that you couldn't do before. That's how faith works. Amen. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.